Welcome to our next episode on the Quorum Podcast, a podcast of the Center for Ancient Christian Studies. In this brief episode, I have a conversation with Peter Sandlin. Peter is Director of Training for the Free Church of England. He holds degrees from Cambridge and Oxford University. In this conversation, we talk about his conversion story, his brief time at both of those schools, his time in Augustine, and his book entitled Simply God. As we conclude this conversation, we even talk about the relationship of patristic theology and pastoral ministry. We hope you enjoy this conversation. I'm delighted to be able to sit here with Peter Sandlin. Uh, Coleman and I, um, he's, he's been a friend of ours at a distance, friend of the centers uh, for the center for, for quite some time. Coleman and I uh, discovered Peter's material on Augustine first, probably about four to five years ago, and have generally followed you. So, Peter, it is a delight to have you with us and really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you very much. Um, I'm very pleased to hear about the good work being done by the Center for um, Patristic Studies at your run. It's, it's great to see people being encouraged to use the Fathers in normal life and ministry. Uh, that's excellent. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, I, I have a few questions for us. I really would love to have our hearers just kind of listen into a conversation that we're going to have um, about these topics. And so I, I'd really love for you to kind of just introduce yourself uh, to sure. us. Who are you? Where are you coming from? Maybe a little bit yep. about your family, your conversion, and then kind mm-hmm. of we'll get into broad kind of academic topics. So I was born in Northern Ireland and uh, raised in a church-going family, encouraged to read the Bible as a child. And um, as a result, I, I, I can't remember a time when I didn't know that God loved me. But um, when I was 16, I visited a church where the minister practiced what I would come to understand to be expository preaching. Um, rather than a thought for the day, it was a, a serious, earnest opening, unfolding of a passage of scripture. And I, I still remember the nearly retired church minister reading the final chapter of second timothy and explaining it and and i was absolutely gripped by the power the majesty what i came to realize is god speaking through his word and the power of the spirit and you know from that moment on i was i was gripped and i wanted to be involved in church ministry helping people to experience church like that and there were many twists and turns in the road i i wouldn't say i became a christian at that point but I would say, were it not for that, I wouldn't have stayed a Christian. And as the years went on, um, I, I wanted to be involved in preaching, pastoral care, ministry. So I went to study theology at Oxford University as my first degree. Uh, the course that I studied at that point, 1998, it was the same course that uh, theological students studied 50 years previously. It, it, it was a very traditional curriculum. Um, uh, lacking in systematic theology because they, they weren't able to integrate things, but, but the patristic fathers, the New Testament, Greek, and so forth, it was a very good grounding. Uh, years later, went forward for ordination in the Church of England and spent five years at Cambridge, which included an MPhil in systematic theology and then a PhD on Augustine's sermons. Um, that represents a sort of a, an academic joining of the circle, so to speak, because it really does. Yeah. 
yeah, I was doing a PhD on, on Augustine's preaching. Um, I initially wanted to do the doctorate on Jonathan Edwards because I had in my previous seven or eight years been involved in evangelical churches and was very concerned that what I was seeing was very um, mechanistic, intellectualist, lacking in this sort of emotional, heartfelt affection to God that I, that I, that I, that I read about when I read The Fathers and so forth. And I thought, well, Jonathan Edwards is the person to, to study. Um, but I found that lots of people had done really good doctoral writing on, on Jonathan Edwards. And I felt that I couldn't satisfy the originality criteria. That's excellent. So then you ran to Augustine. Exactly. <laughs> well, I can't remember who it was suggested it, to be honest. But you know, somebody said, well, actually, the thing you love about Jonathan Edwards, his passionate, affectionate concern for God, that actually comes from Augustine. That's where that whole strand of theology begins. So go back to the fountainhead. Um, I, I gulped a bit because that meant, of course, learning Latin. But um, that's right. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I, I was thrilled, and and then when I discovered that um, his sermons had maybe two books written on them, and and even then, the major focus of most books was the textual manuscripts. You know, nobody done a well. One person had done, but very few people had done a serious doctrinal study of the collection of sermons. I realized I could join all these things together and, and, and look at preaching and, and uh, the affectionate heart that's drawn to God. Yeah, that's right. No, that's, <clears throat> that's excellent. That's excellent. So it, the, you're, the, the story of how you got into patristics is even, it sounds even tied into your spiritual life, right? Tied to. Yeah. Well, I was, uh, yeah. I mean, I think um, people, I think when people are doing, I mean, I'm 40 years old now, when people are doing yeah. ministry, they, they they do need, I think, ideally to be coming in and out of the coal face sort of mm. ministry. Mm. And the time when I went off to study for a doctorate, you know, I was very weary and tired from numbers of years of of evangelical ministry. You know, I hadn't yeah. been ordained, but I've been working for churches. And psychologically yeah, right. I'd got to the end of my resources. Physically I was very tired. Yeah. And it was the right time to reevaluate things. Um so in that sense, I, I did that by doing a doctorate, but I think that pattern is something we can try and help people with in just church in general, both ministers and lay people, that, you know, there's seasons of life to be doing stuff in those seasons of life. Right. Yeah, no, that's excellent. That's, yeah, that's, that's wonderful to hear. Um, uh, let's make a, let's make kind of a hard turn into kind of sure. some of the things that you've already brought up. Uh, tell us a little bit about your time at uh, Cambridge. Okay. Uh, as as you worked on August, theology of Augustine, his pre or the theology of Augustine's preaching, which okay. it sounds like that was your doctoral work, and then that yes. ended up turning into a monograph. So maybe tell us a little bit about that, and then we'll talk about some of your other books. So, um, so yeah, I was I was in Cambridge '05 to 2010, uh, first year, just uh, recuperating from the rigors of of a few years ministry previously. Mm. And then doing uh, the masters, which Cambridge have a very good system. I think of you do you do an MPhil, which begins to orientate you to the further academic study of the three-year PhD. And I will I, I did a thesis on Augustine's Old Testament sermons, and my supervisor at the time encouraged me to spend quite a bit of time not only reading those sermons but reading um, continental philosophers like Foucault and Derrida. Mm. Um, because they they also 
played with Augustine in a playful way and reflected on him. And they're obviously coming at things from a very different perspective than an evangelical reformed minister like myself. So again, I find that very helpful. Um, that, that, that got me ready for part of that academic world I was stepping into after that. And then after that, I was very blessed because um, Professor David Ford, who is now retired, he was the Regis Professor of Divinity at Cambridge. Um, when he heard I was interested in studying Augustine, he was excited about that and positive. He chatted to him and he said, a very good thing for you to do, Peter, would be to apprentice yourself to somebody who is sort of worthwhile and who will mentor you through life and ministry. And Augustine is, is a great person to mentor yourself to. So take your PhD as, as a mentoring experience with him. And he, he supervised the doctorate. And, you know, it, it was a wonderful experience because there are academics out there in England and, and I'm sure there are in America who, who are basically prideful and and aggressive and the academic experience becomes one of point scoring and, and, and power and that's where reading Foucault and Derrida is very interesting actually as they expose that actually mm. but uh, David Ford was was wonderfully humble and gracious uh, during the time of our um, um, during the time of our academic study my wife and i lost our first baby um mm. which was a great sadness and yeah, and actually it turned out that uh, professor david ford had had also lost a child when he was um, in the earlier stages of his married life and he'd written a wonderful little book about it actually mm. called the shape of living mm. and yeah he gave me a copy of that book and suggested i read it and again that that was just a lovely example of pastoral care theology shared conversation just making the whole experience of academic study be so much more than showing off or point scoring you know it was, it was a wonderful experience and i'm very grateful to him for it yeah that's excellent <clears throat> it even sounds like the the mentorship not only at the real tangible level of professor ford but even picking up augustine to begin mentoring you that's yes. a that's a delightful concept that's a delightful yeah. Um, idea. I, I remember talking to someone earlier on, so I'm doing some work in Cyril. One of, one of the advice that this person gave me was spend as much time as you can in, in one thinker and have that person really yeah. shape, shape how you think about things. And have you picked somebody like that for yourself? Well, yeah. So it's, it's Cyril at the moment. It is so Cyril, I'm, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to work through as, as deeply as I can to become conversant mm -hmm. within his literature. Um, in, in a very similar, the, the way that you were talking about your time in Augustine is very reminiscent of what mm. that, that um, colleague said about uh, picking someone. And so that's, yeah. that's excellent. That's yeah, it's good advice. And, and, I, and I don't think that we, that has to mean doing a PhD, you know, that's right. uh, you know somebody in church right. could just be saying, I'm, I'm going to make a real effort to read something from Chrysostom and read that's more exactly and more right. of him, read biographies about him, you know, and yeah, it's exactly great. Right. Yeah, that's wonderful. So even in my my setting in um, kind of church settings, when I um, kind of step into discipleship relationships or where we kind of investigate some top theological topic, I'll try to pick a um, I'll try to introduce them to the fathers. And so people, yes. you know, for the first time are reading Gregory the Great on the, the pastoral rule. Um, uh, for example, Augustine on the Trinity um, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, that, that's, that's really helpful, even just to, to demystify yeah. 
you know, patristics as a as purely an academic enterprise. Now that's that's yes. delightful. Um, Peter, would you would you mind um, kind of walking us through um, what what is in the theology of Augustine's preaching? Uh, let's talk about that book, and then yes. make a beeline a, as you wish over to simply God. Kind of describe these two books, um, and kind of share a little bit about what else you might be working on. Yes. Okay, so um, the book Augustine's Theology of Preaching, published by Fortress Press, that is basically the PhD thesis, pretty much unedited, just with the uh, the Latin citations all moved into the footnotes rather than the main text. And, um, and that's unusual, you know, to have an academic monograph PhD just published unedited, but... but, but um, you know, that means that it, it doesn't read as a, as a readable fun book in that sense. It, it does work with the academic paradigm of, of the current situation of what I would call um, post-liberal Cambridge slash Yale doctrinal theology, which is the world that I was working within. Um, and it, it tries to say and if you sat down with the 10 or 11 volumes of Augustine's sermons and you read them what would be the doctrinal convictions that the preacher would have had to have held in order to preach as he did and Augustine's an important person for this because you know he wrote the first book on preaching his little book De Doctrina is a book about how to shape preachers um he, he wrote the first three chapters of it early on in his ministry on how to understand the bible and he left the fourth chapter for 25 years towards the end of his ministry, having had a lifetime of preaching. I mean, we would have been saved many poor, shallow books on preaching if others adopted the same attitude. Um, he, he, that book on preaching was, was the first book the reformers printed on printing presses after they printed the Bible. Um, very, very significant for, for the development of the art of preaching. Um, and he just, he held together within himself in a very human way, the love of God, the love of the scriptures. And he also, I think that a lot of people think today in my circles in England that expository preaching began in the Bible. So it's biblical to do what we do. And I think I'm pushing back against that and saying that's not really correct. I think expository preaching properly understood is something that by definition requires a closed canon and requires somebody to be making use of the skills of rhetoric and pagan public speaking, but to refine them through the power of the Holy Spirit and to submit them to the authority of the word. You are making use of a Bible and you're making use of rhetorical skills and you're reshaping these things under scripture. And that is exactly what Augustine did because he was a pagan orator before he became a Christian. So wonderfully stimulating person to reflect on with, with regard to preaching. Mm. Yeah. that's excellent uh talk to us a little bit about simply yeah. god okay so as i was reading the sermons of augustine and writing the phd uh, i i was i was i was approaching that in a in a spiritual way in a prayerful way in the context of a of a, of a worshiping christian community and i i got to know god better through it um I realized that the God that Augustine preached about and worshipped was, was just bigger than the God I really mm. believed in before. And yep. so Simply God is the book that was written out of the, the notes I accumulated during 
um, writing the PhD as regards the doctrine of God. Um, I got to teach a lot of that um, at a seminary for three years after graduating. So I taught on the classical doctrine of God. Um, but yeah, I pulled all that together then in a book called Simply God, um, published by IBP. It's, it's much more, it is a proper book. It's not just a PhD. It's, it's readable and structured. And um, each chapter reflects on the nature of God, but, but concludes with a prayer. And a, and a pastoral application. And since that book, you know, that book was written in 2013. And, and since it was published the following year, there has been a number of evangelical scholars have written books for a semi-popular or popular audience on the doctrine of simplicity, the, the doctrine of God and the Trinity. But when I was writing that book, you know, those evangelical books were not around. Um, I, I was having to work from um, patristic scholarship or uh, very good high level Roman Catholic scholarship on the doctrine of God or the philosophy of religion. And, and I was trying to popularize some of that. So I'm absolutely thrilled to see that, 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 that popularization has actually happened. And, and I'm happy that I, I played a small part in it. Yeah. Um, and delighted that some of the books published subsequent to mine have, have become very well known and, and made a great impact. And I, I look at them and I think I, I agree wholeheartedly with what they say. And even in the last couple of weeks, Stephen Juby's book written at a more academic level than mine, oh, that's but right. yeah. very much presenting the same vision of God. And, and I'm just thrilled that, that those books are out there now. Yeah, that's excellent. That's excellent. Uh, I recall in your, the introduction to Simply God, um, I, I was fascinated by this and you've already touched on it, but you had even mentioned how you, you wanted to pick up the vision of a figure and how that vision's figure, uh, um, uh, their portrayal of God, um, and to sit closely with it. Hence, uh, it, it's an Augustinian account of the simplicity yes. of God. Yes. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a fabulous idea. Um, what uh, Maybe to put, put you a little bit on the spot right here, what's at stake with the simplicity to kind of help um, those, those that may not be familiar with it or those that might yep. be familiar with it? What, what really is kind of uh, the linchpin with this concept. If we were to pull this, what would happen? So the, the doctrine of the simplicity of God is, I think, a doctrine which guards and insists upon the godness of God, on, on the reality of God being not just a collection of claims about a being who is more powerful than us. It, it is the doctrine which insists God is perfect, God is other. It's the doctrine which um, requires there to be a fundamental difference between all that has been created by God and God. Uh, because God is uh, overflowingly generous and he is love, because of that, he is able to communicate with us, to reach out to us, and even amazingly become one of us in the incarnation. But all those things are wonderful and wondrous purely because he is other than us and because he is God. The doctrine of simplicity insists that God does not have his attributes, that, that he cannot be divided up into different bits of himself, but that he is fully, perfectly, infinitely himself. That, that he, he is not just a God who is wise, but, but he is wisdom. He's not just a God who has an attribute of love and he... He could therefore perhaps become more loving or less loving. He is love. Um, and 
what is at stake? Well, I mean, certainly the, the vast majority of evangelical Christians today are not familiar with the doctrine of simplicity. I mean, that is changing, you know, due to, to excellent books by, by people like Stephen Juby and Craig Keener and others. Mm-hmm. Um, that is changing, but the majority are not aware of it. And um, God is gracious to us. He, you know, he does not save us on the basis of the accuracy of our knowledge of him. He saves us on the basis of his grace. But for Christians to get through this fallen world, for, for their faith to survive, um, we, we do need to know God as well as, as possible. And I fear that without a knowledge of the simplicity of God and how that integrates into other claims the Bible makes about God, what people are holding on to often is a collection of half-truths about God, mm. which do not sustain and enrich as much as the full vision of who God really is. Mm-hmm. So that, that I think is what you yeah, no, that's excellent. That's that's really helpful. So uh, you, you know, there is a an academic impetus to to hold on to simplicity, and as well pastoral concerns to maintain the vision of simplicity. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Um, maybe maybe as we wrap up our time, um, kind of uh, connect these two dots for us. You work um, uh, with people uh, pastoring in a parish. Uh, and yet you've also um, undergone the rigors of scholarship. And, and so kind of connect these two dots for us. How do yeah. we connect the world of patristic, patristic theology to uh, the parish? Well, yeah, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a full-time church minister in, in, in England, and um, that means I, I preach twice on a Sunday. I, I lead prayer meetings I um, when I finish this uh, conversation with you, I'm off to to, to lead a, a membership class for new members to our church. Um, and in my little denomination that I serve in, I used to be a Church of England minister, and, and I left to serve in a little denomination called the Free Church of England. In that little Reformed Evangelical denomination, I, I serve as director of training, so I'm involved in in interviewing candidates for the ordained ministry and supporting them through a process of training. Now, as as I think about day-to-day ministry for myself, and as I think about younger men going on into the ordained ministry, I think that a love of the patristics of the church fathers fundamentally gives you a rich uh, vision of God. And it, it's not just an instrumental thing of, it's a good idea to get people to read the church fathers. This becomes another ministry module in our in our activist model of church. It's more before you get to that, the minister, the the type of minister who will be able to do fruitful, joyful ministry through the pagan, through the pagan persecution, which may come in the Western world and the chill winds of secularity, which are already blowing in the Western world. The minister who will be flourishing is one who has a rich vision of God. And somehow we're so sinful, you know, as evangelicals, we say we believe in the Bible and that's our number one thing. But we're so sinful, we can just easily turn the Bible into yet another tool for our activist, intellectually driven ministry. And the patristic fathers can sort of subvert that, give us such a rich vision of God that when we come back to the Bible, we, we just see him as he really is. And in that sense, I think patristic fathers are very good for the formation of a minister who is then able to do ministry in a way that 
that just has a chance of flourishing in whatever comes. Um, uh, I think you've chatted to Craig Keener a while ago. You know, some of his work is, he's been very good at showing the way the, the secular world we inhabit today is very similar to the second century, to the, the work of the early fathers. And that's true, you know, that, that many of the most complex, difficult pastoral problems I have to deal with are actually nothing other than a, than a rarefied modern version of Gnosticism. So, you know, reading the fathers on that is very valuable. Um, many people today in, in my secular world are, are rootless and lost, unsure of the future. Well, Augustine's City of God speaks into that world. Um, so I, I just think the patristics are, are a wonderful thing to engage in for the minister and then to introduce a little bit to church family. Um, I haven't done sort of intensive type reading classes in my church. That hasn't really seemed to be the right thing for us. But, but in, our, in our services, every service is liturgical and is using words which are rooted in the, in the worship of the early church, the creeds, uh, the Ten Commandments, going right back to Judaism. Um, but what I do is I have a little five-minute slot that I call the going deeper slot. And over the last 20 weeks or so, we've had a little going deeper slot in each service where I do a five-minute introduction to a father from the early church. And, and that just helps us be orientated to the bigger church family. Yeah, that's right. Now, that's excellent. That's excellent, Peter. Um, this has been a delight to be able to chat with you. Pleasure. Like been a delight to hear kind of your journey in the field, the journey in um, ministry, how those two connect for us. So we, we're delighted for this. Uh, blessings to you and all that you do. Thanks a lot, Peter. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. Be sure to check us out at ancientchristianstudies.com.